0: Talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So, love me, love me,
1: love me, I'm a liberal. Hello. And welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the podcast where here in 2020 we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's episode is entitled The California 47th, which is the number of the district that Former White House staffer Sam Seaborn is now running for Congress to represent in a special election because the candidate died. (laughs) And yet won. Um, And yet still won. Which happened again. In this round of elections in 2020, we have we had a, a dead guy win. We have a dead guy who won a seat. So I think it's in like
0: Rhode Island. It something. rules every time it happens. Yeah. I'm a fan of it, no matter which party. To be honest, it's pretty cool. <laughs> regardless, it's like you know when a safety happens in football, you're just excited. It's yeah, so it doesn't rare.
1: matter. Doesn't matter who gets it or whatever. Right. It's like ooh, oh
0: safety. Haven't seen one of those in a while. <laughs> um so yeah this is like the big Roblo comeback episode where he's almost like a special guest star and uh and like it feels sort of meta in a way the way they all react to him being back like oh hey sam sam's back
1: um yeah
0: but we'll get into that in a bit uh we wanted to start off with this episode opens with them in the situation room and they are dealing with kundu uh, given that they are now, you know, committed to this new, I'm going to call it the Bartlett Doctrine of, quote-unquote, humanitarian imperialism, where where <laughs> we invade countries to, you know, stop genocides and stuff, because we are the good guys, and this is, like, the technocratic liberal dream of how the military should be used, you know, only to do good things. You know, they'll welcome us as liberators kind of shit, basically. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they're in the middle of an operation of some kind. I forget the fucking details, and to be honest, they don't matter. Uh, It works out. And, like, tactical shit was accomplished, blast back and kudos all around to, to the military dudes, high fives, many sl- hands are slapped. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, and Leo's like, ah, duh, don't you just love them seeing their do their thing? <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I love, it just makes me so hard. Yeah, like, that's the big energy I get off this. M-
1: Mr. President, I need five minutes by myself.
0: <laughs> so, we'll, we'll just break down the whole Kundu plot line of this episode uh, right now in this segment. <laughs> This episode is a, is a bear to get through. This one might be go a little longer than usual, but it, uh, there's a lot of interesting things to break apart yeah, here. Yeah, there's
1: at least a lot of interesting stuff to talk
0: about. So. Definitely. So uh, th- this operation succeeds. They take the airport. That's what it was. So they yeah. take the airport. Bartlett immediately leaves from the sit room back to the Oval Office where the Kundu president or some no, sort of it's ambassador. ambassador or whatever is sitting there and uh he's like mr bartlett we need to talk about he's like i just took your fucking airport (laughs) (laughs) he just just starts big dick swinging about how his awesome military just fucking cooed their country and is about to coo it even more and uh and the guy is like but you know what about diplomatic negotiations and bartlett's like fuck you
1: (laughs) well and he's just real
0: real big dick shit
1: to sort of like to to pave the way for this being okay he's like we tried diplomat we tried to go through like
0: zaire or so, I right. think it was
1: zimbabwe maybe, a, a country he, a, it doesn't really matter the
0: president's <laughs> making ridiculous demands like immunity and half a billion dollars and all this so- kind of stuff so that we can justify the military use don't don't get me wrong all of this is just the perfect liberal justification for military intervention we've got a genocide happening we've got you know diplomatic negotiations that broke down blah 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 like it's it's the you know it's perfectly yeah. set up this way to justify the fact so that the president can make sweeping speeches about the 101st airborne and how good the marines are and all this shit
1: yeah so they he he goes a couple rounds with the diplo, like i guess like the diplomatic corps from Kundu right and like they go back and forth like oh that's ridiculous like how dare you make demands at, at this point but it comes out later in the episode that they're reviewing some satellite photos with fits and whatever and they're like okay so <laughs> <based> <laughs> I, on- <laughs> I love this
0: this is deeply <laughs> darkly funny to me
1: yeah like ba- based on the satellite intelligence they're like because we've given them an ultimatum and a 24-hour deadline before we further coup them they're just basically like oh, okay cool we got 24 hours to like finish this genocide
0: yeah to get the genocide in under the wire and then we'll just surrender it and say like "All good (laughs) right folks right everyone we we got it under the wire but it's all good
1: yeah, we yeah, didn't break any rules. We're, we're
0: building some <laughs> ovens and stuff. We got we're churning through as fast as we can. We, we respect your deadline, but you know, we got some business to do first.
1: <laughs> so you just That's a bold season. strategy, Cotton. You, know? <laughs> you can see them like kind of doing the math, being like, All right, so there's like two hundred thousand of these indigenous folk left. If we can kill like seventy five hundred of them an hour, uh-huh, oh, we can get in underway. Right. You
0: know, ninety percent's not bad, you guys. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know so, we all wanted a hundred. <laughs> But, but then, eventually, after, like, they, they give this intelligence, which, okay, fine. Like, frankly, that's that's chilling and whatever. Right, and so this
0: shouldn't justify further, more immediate intervention. And basically, uh, you you brought up a good way. They want to have it both ways here, where it is, on the one hand, the big dick military swinging, you know, I just fucking cooed your country shit. And then also, like, but we're going to respect the deadlo- the 36-hour <laughs> deadline that we have given you, no matter what you do in the meantime. <laughs> including ramping up the genocide to get it in under the wire well and in
1: addition they take this gross kind of numbers fuckstein approach to it where it's like all right we've got 1100 ground troops like 24 apcs four m1 a1 mbt's you know six apache helicopters and yeah because clearly and what really like you can kind of smell the undertone here it's that they they've committed clearly to this unilateral violation of another country's sovereignty but now it's like oh but but we have to do this like profitable or like minimal on budget budget
0: and on schedule correct it's just it's like shooting a movie you got to come in under budget and under schedule
1: (laughs) well and then sort of in in a twist that we are i'm sure as sort of like your naive viewers in 2005 or whenever this was, um, we're supposed to interpret this as like, Oh no, like not American lives, but like they're doing a patrol of the airport that they just literally quote unquote secured. Correct. And three Marines get kidnapped. And I should, I'm going to include the clip here because it is fucking ridiculous.
0: Sir, I'm afraid something's happened. What? Two Marine Lance corporals and the PFC have been taken.
1: What do you mean they've been taken? Patrolling Batanga Airport in the Humvee. 50 guys came out of nowhere. We secured the airport. They came out of nowhere. They say, oh, we had it secured. And then these guys, quote, came out of nowhere.
0: (laughs) It's funny how that works, isn't it? (laughs) Oh,
1: oh, okay. Like, so really, how secure was the airport? Not very, Bob. Not very. (laughs) Clearly like I, and and it's all because they have to, and I don't, under, I don't even understand the framing at this point. Like you have the
0: under budget thing just drives me crazy. Like what, what budget, uh, you <laughs> like, know, we got to show that we can do it in the most efficient manner possible, you know, thus proving our competence on the world stage. I think that's what it is really.
1: Yeah. Well, and it, it sort of, it throws me back frankly to like a shock and awe discussion where it's like i i understand that that was all propaganda and that we never truly like commit the resources necessary frankly to keep our troops alive which again problematic takes here coming up folks but like okay fine i want to keep our soldiers alive and all they do is they the the government will say that they will do these things and then just be like uh Well, yeah, uh, remember okay. how like
0: goons had to buy body armor for dudes in yeah. Iraq and shit like that because the military, even though it gets all the money, can't fucking actually allocate it to to places that would help the men on the in, ground.
1: And I'm pretty sure this is where sort of the modern reactionary politics of the country come from. Is that we? Is that a certain segment of the political class claims? that they will do things right, and then doesn't. Right. Like, is is, is incapable of doing so, whereas It'll the other side of the political class... competent
0: managers, but then fails.
1: Well, and the other side of the political class just says, ah, fuck you, we're going to do it however we feel like.
0: We're just going to fuck around and fuck up the other side. And the <laughs> half the country's like, hell yeah!
1: Well, and frankly, that side, because what appeals to, I guess people politically is authenticity and that side at least has some modicum of claim to it, authenticity
0: because they it don't pursue its goals they pursue their goals openly and honestly
1: and i and this whole thing is it's it is wrapped up in this little vignette of them sort of like mediocrely invading another country and then Fucking around, faffing about with their reports and their numbers and shit until you get people fucking killed. And they they like, they fucked around and they found out. <laughs> <It's> like, like, <laughs> exactly, it drives me crazy. Like I I I don't I don't understand what the show is trying to say unless it is literally just Aaron. And frankly, this is probably most often the case. It's just a blinkered worldview that is like, oh, I can create conflict at this point and this point, and there is no. Interrelation.
0: If if it were a better writer, I would say the show is actually trying to show the downsides of imperialism. But knowing Aaron Sorkin, I know the way this is gonna work is that Bartlett will have to make a hard decision, because he's a hard man who makes hard decisions, and it will all work out, and those boys will get home and everything will have worked out okay in the end.
1: Yeah, and what really, and I don't know if this is actually what breaks out this time around with foreign intervention, is just, it all just comes down to, oh, we paid some guys off, and now we're good. Mm-hmm. Like, we cut them a check, and now we're good. Yeah, so I, we- I
0: forget if they end up giving the guy the $500 million or whatever as well. Yeah. But, yeah, so this le- this ends this episode on a somewhat cliffhanger where they reveal, hey, we've got your three kidnapped Marines and you are going to give me the 500 million of the immunity and all that crap that you laughed off earlier uh, and if you want them alive. Dun, dun, dun! Bum, bum, bum. And that hmm. that wraps up the Kundu plotline for this particular episode. Any final thoughts?
1: No, I don't think... I mean, that's... I mean, in terms of a sort of a foreign policy, pol- like, politics segment, I this is just... It's so West Wing, and yeah. that's just kind of how the, the world works yeah this, this is the
0: show really like at 11 when it comes to <laughs> yeah. this kind of like terrible shit though like it's managed to hide its politics somewhat in, in recent episodes because there were some episodes that were a little a less political or where they were focused on things like budgets or stuff like that but th- this woo, it's like really just diving at the heart of like no empire good big dick military bah 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 yeah it's, it's just it's rough to watch
1: Okay, so let's take a brief break and we can come down and get into the domestic policy side of this. All right. (laughs)
0: And welcome back. Uh, Jean-Paul makes another appearance in this episode (laughs) and uh, quickly jumps up the power rankings of favorite West Wing characters when him and Charlie start talking about uh, taxes. And Jean-Paul says, I think taxes are too low. Well, it sucks. I think it actually like he's just talking to the president. For some right. reason, right? That's right. He's yeah. He's hanging out in the Oval Office because Zoe's there, and Zoe brought him along, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and Bartlett's sass him about France or something like that, and he's like, "Well, France has the best care and the best pension system in the Western world," and and Bartlett's like, "Yeah, well, you don't have to pay for a military." Blah, 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 blah. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, like that line alone is just. Incredibly revealing, yeah. about the fucking lib mindset yeah. here and Sorkin's take on the
0: military yeah, like Oh well, we could we could have nice things too if it weren't for our military. <laughs> like, are you <Yeah>. fuck off? <laughs> you even even it. with our bloated military-industrial, you know, bullshit, it's only twenty cents of every dollar of GDP that the military eats up. We had more than enough for to have pensions and. Healthcare and whatnot, but anyway, I don't want to get on a whole thing. No. You won't know this, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Jean Paul owns where he just starts throwing all this, you know, France rules, USA drool shit in in America's in uh, Bartlett's face and also Charlie's face, and then Charlie is like. Real virgin energy this episode, like super salty about the fact that he's lost Zoe to this dude, and is just clearly trying to troll him any way he can as petty vengeance for quote unquote stealing Zoe away from him. And is just like, well, Bartlett's doing tax plan or whatever, and and John Paul's like, that is cute. Zoe, come over here. We will make out.
1: it's <laughs> <Yeah, that's> really. <laughs> they're they're playing pool at the in California cuz they go on this trip. Right. And like um they they're standing around and Charlie's trying to get Jean-Paul on like process shit. He's like you guys shouldn't go to fashion shows and get your picture taken oh cuz right. it's a security risk or oh something. And Jean-Paul's Big like virgin energy Oh uh, and and Jean-Paul like it's a little sleazy but he's also just like she's a pretty girl, Charlie. She loves to get her picture taken. And he's like <laughs> no she doesn't he's like well she does with me yeah
0: which is code for she didn't when i was her boyfriend
1: which to Uh, be to be fair that side of it i get it because there were death threats because it was a mixed race thing sure sure so okay
0: (laughs) but also you know but also it's just the greatest own ever oh yeah and then, like I said, he just pulls Zoe over and they make out. And then Charlie's like, uh, uh, I found something else interesting in the party to go pay attention to. I'm going to walk over there.
1: It's literally like he puts his pool cue down and is like, um, and you, he almost, he does the virgin walk. Like he I, sticks his hands in his pockets and it like, is, walks It is over real
0: there. virgin Chad shit going on here. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> I mean, we have no choice but to stand Jean-Paul. I mean, he's the <sighs> fucking man. I, yeah. I love him. I well, want to be him. Ladies love him. Ladies want to be with him. Men want to be him.
1: Well, and I think it it raises actually to kind of get a little deeper on the discussion. Like it, you can see Charlie try to go down the very, I mean, frankly, the very good Democratic Party line of like, well, you wouldn't advocate for uh, higher marginal tax rates because you're one of the people who would be taxed higher. And John Paul literally just goes, no.
0: Right. <laughs> Which yeah. is true. Like <laughs> Yeah, this is where your assumptions get you. Mhm. You know. Well, like there's a, there's a deeply
1: ingrained notion that's like you and and frankly, I hope that it's probably happened uh, since occupy that it's like there's been sort of this shift, I think personally, that like the notion that it's impossible for you to advocate for like a reparative structuring of society if it actively harms you individually is trash. Like we I I, there are countless, countless people who do so. You could put John Paul's arguments in my mouth. Like in twenty in November of twenty twenty, I'm I'm definitely not a royal, but (laughs) I'm I'm an upper middle class white guy. Like I could say the things that he says and I will I will one hundred percent go to my death for them. Like it is we have tried and I, I wrote this down this is a little deep like Dekulakization failed in the soviet union pretty hard and like that's something that people still get mad at tankies about and like sorry guys but like if you're on if you're on my side and you're willing to put your body on the line for it i great welcome like come come fight um and frankly, Jean-Paul here would probably be one of the very first heads to roll in the revolution. Sure.
0: <laughs> but
1: uh, he's still right. He's still
0: right. He's, but he, in this episode, he is right. And that is that is what matters most of all. Uh, so to transition a little bit from Jean-Paul, and so they talk about taxes because the main domestic focus of this episode is a tax plan uh, sort of debate between the Republican tax plan, which is the typical GOP, we're cutting taxes because you deserve to have more of your money, <laughs> and uh, and the Democrats like, well, we're gonna slightly increase taxes <laughs> in a very technocratic manner and on the one percent of the one percent uh, by one percent, um, and which will fund uh, the the college tax deductible tuition thing that you know that's supposed to be our big epic idea. Uh, that they dreamed up in 20 hours of America.
1: Yeah, when they talked to the guy in the bar...
0: About I think how it was, it was, it's hard to send your kid to college, and I want it to be just a little easier. Not free, though. <laughs> no, definitely not free. Not not easy. Just like middling. No, a hard. little easier. I want it to be a seven out of ten experience <laughs> in difficulty, not a nine or ten out of ten.
1: <laughs> the Dem- the Democratic Party a seven out of ten. Experience. <laughs> so That's
0: overrating them a little, but yeah,
1: <laughs> like you're you're giving them this putative guy in middle america like a minor tax savings and yeah what's what's just absolutely fucking insane is that what when you want to make an expense deductible you are presuming upon a person's ability to pay that expense right initially. that's
0: what i said in the episode where they came up with it originally and they're doing the math i'm like so tuition's 36 grand a year he makes 55k a year where is he coming up with that money assuming he has a life that costs money
1: and it really betrays a lot of the democratic party's like value system because they just they can't conceive that if somebody wants to send their child to a forty thousand dollar a year school that they can't just like Oh yeah, we'll just like we'll Uh, we'll shuffle some stocks
0: and yeah, uh, yeah, you know transitions out of your money market accounts and and you you know cover it for a little
1: while or like you know get a reverse mortgage and get some get some of your equity out of your house. It's just like what the what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, and honestly, they they back up off it in this episode too because a they begin the discussion with an invocation of my deficits. Right. Oh, the national debt bar. Right. right. Which, and, of course,
0: doesn't fucking matter. No.
1: And, and I mean, it's forfeiting the. It's like giving up the turf without even
0: fighting over it. Right. So probably, because probably, you've already admitted to the premise, and it's a faulty premise.
1: And they frame all of this discussion around the tax plan Correct. in terms of Sam Seaborn's congressional run in Orange County, which is. Right.
0: Right, so they take all these stupid steps to try to not, quote-unquote, bury Sam's campaign by, like, if they announce the tax plan from Orange County, it would kill him or whatever. First off, he's gonna lose anyway. Fucking spoiler alert, you know, and second off, no, just fucking, just do it, you know, well, and then Sam, like, castigates them I'm like, you've missed news cycle after news cycle, which, first off, probably doesn't fucking matter at all, yeah. but... <laughs> So I'm not sure I care about that so much, but it does seem like a dumb tactical decision here. Well,
1: and they very much... Um, they approach it from the presumption that Sam's going to lose, which, to the writer's credit, they make Sam push back on twice explicitly, yeah. where the first time he Josh says to him, like, wow, well, if you only go down by seven, like, that's, that's pretty fucking good. And Sam just says, I'm not ready to start talking about it in those terms yet. And then at the end... When they fire Sam's campaign manager um, because he's a piece of shit and he's farming him out to like the Chamber of Commerce instead yeah, of trying to connect just to voters,
0: signing up with big business over labor. <laughs>
1: um, like, and they and Sam, like they they come out and ah shit, I forgot where I was going with. Oh yeah, and Sam comes up and he's like, "Look, if I'm gonna lose, I want to lose doing something." Which fucking amen because like, his
0: his campaign manager wants him to vote against the college du- t- tax du- deduction thing that he helped come up with. He wants to say like you go out there and you say fuck higher taxes we're in Orange County goddammit and I'm conservative and that'll win and and then Sam is rightfully pushes back he's like no fuck that I if I'm going to lose I'm going to lose doing something and at least representing my honest values.
1: Well, and it's Ideally, which is completely impossible to <laughs> reconcile with the D trips vision of big number, or like one extra seat is one extra seat or whatever. It's like you pave the road by doing stuff like this. You say right. these are the these are the ideas that we will put forward for you know. If I'm going to lose next time around, next time right. around someone will bring this idea and say, you know, let's let's try and make it work. Right, as around. opposed
0: to if he did do uh, take the bad stance on the vote and did become shitty and more conservative and did get closer to winning, all you're doing is now telling the party like be shittier and conservative. It works,
1: which is thank you 2020 general election, completely incorrect. Right. Which, you know, at this point, like, the D-trip is wasting money on a race that they're losing? Color me shocked. Oh, Cal Surprise, holy shit, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it must be Tuesday. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> and, again, like, this this time around, it, it was patently obvious that this strategy doesn't fucking work.
0: Right. And, I don't know. Better it, better to lose with your ideals intact and your head held high, and at least you've spread the message somewhat Which was Will's whole point when he ran the Dead Guys campaign.
1: Yeah, well, and so actually that's a really good transition. Let's talk about Will's bit. Yes, let's talk about Will's bit in this episode.
0: So it starts off innocent enough with um, Toby is telling him, Hey, I have a bunch of low-level work for you to do. Farm it out to your staff. And was like, the staff all hate me because you promoted me to deputy, and they all thought they were going to get promoted to deputy. <laughs> Which and, is like, y- yep. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, he's like, yeah, well, you should probably just hire a new staff then. He's like, but you don't have time to do that, so go farm your work out to them. And he tries to do that, but they all quit in protest. Because, <laughs> you know, to make it to the White House, as the show has told us over and over, you have to be the most professional of professionals, except... When they're utterly fucking incompetent. Yeah, you know you're the smartest <laughs> people super in the room, super petty and super sexist, like those two dudes with Ainsley, remember? And like yeah. had, with the dead flowers and yeah. like the fuck off bitch card or whatever. Well, and we keep <laughs> but, so. But to make it to the White House, you have to be the best of the best of the best. But also, we let in a lot of shitheads.
1: Yeah, and these particular shitheads, there's a whole back and forth that we are not shown what happens with the actual speech writing staff because they they walk out initially they send their interns right and say you know like as a show of like oh well, fuck you all i guess i'll take this meeting with my intern and then toby toby like calls will at the beginning of the meeting with the interns and says eh, i fired them all because fuck them yeah
0: and will's like but they quit though right because of yeah me. <laughs> And Toby's like, well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So then, so then the episode gets really fun when Will gets to deal with the intern girls. They are all girls and Will treats them with uh, basically a ton of Sorkin sexism. Uh, At one point he calls them the Robert Palmer girls, which is a, a delightful little sexist touch. Uh, and just conven- just constantly condescends and assumes that they're all incompetent and uh and just is just I, the biggest shit to them the
1: it's it's a weird blend of like superiority complex but also like getting flustered because they are just continually subtly owning yes. will throughout all this stuff yes. and he never acknowledges it but it's like it is clear that they have got his number and they're sort of like like making fun of him, not you know being mean about it, but just being like, Look at this dude, like he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> They're just absolutely handling him the whole time, yeah. But at some point, like they introduce themselves, and it's actually really interesting. There's four interns, three of them are named Lauren, which okay, that's funny. One of them is named Cassie, and Will is like, I'm confused. Three of you are named Lauren, and one of you is named Cassie, and it's like, Yes, that is correct. And then for some reason, he's just like, well, fuck learning all these names. <laughs> Two names, he goes and gets them all Redskins jerseys. <laughs> Excuse me. Washington football team jerse- <laughs> No, no. This is football.
0: before the name got redacted. <laughs> yes. uh, the, the name redacted. No, yeah. He gets them Washington Redskin jerseys so that he could conveniently call them by number, by jersey number.
1: Oh, my God. How
0: and dehumanizing.
1: <laughs> like, the thing, like, dude, if you know which one's Cassie. You just call the rest of them Lauren. their name
0: <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> yeah. And you look at them when you talk and that's the way they know which Lauren you're talking to.
1: And they're going through this extremely it's it's just ham-handed where they're like no remarks or let's, And it's literally like Webster's Dictionary defines taxes. Yeah, as yeah
0: real like it taxes 101 level shit uh, and kind of stuff. And it's, yeah, uh, this whole plot line is just bad. And every time we cut back to it, it's bad. And they, they try to drag Winnie Cooper in to make it a little bit better. And she can't even help much.
1: No, and she's just like She's around. just there.
0: She's just there. Every time she shows up now, she's just there to like well, they bounce off will for a little bit
1: and they slot her into this scene and and play her like just another of the intern crew
0: even though she is now employed by the first lady well that and she's ca- well, she, not only that she's calling out the interns too where she's like one of them started writing down like cannery or whatever because like it was the metaphor he was using Yeah, it's it's real bad, folks. It's all it's just bad all around, and I don't. It's it's I guess it's played for laughs because we'll get so flustered, but it's not like funny, funny. Not like the actual comedy subplots, like Charlie and Jean Paul. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, and this is like this is the the what's happening in the White House segment. Whereas we'll take a brief break here, and then we can talk about what is going on on the ground in california because again they take this trip out to see sam blah blah blah. and there's a couple things that actually like have almost nothing to do with him correct that go one, on. one of
0: them is my favorite thing and we will <laughs> we'll talk a lot about it <laughs> And welcome back. Uh, So while they're out there in California, Josh and Donna have come along on the trip. And Josh sends Donna out to meet with a guy who runs the California Agriculture Labor Organization. Uh, Basically, uh, labor unions for agriculture workers. Um, And he's the head of it. And it's like, meet with this guy, get a feel for if he's serious or not. You know, like, does he have his head on straight when it comes to politics? And so Donna goes and has a little lunch meeting with him. And he's talking very passionately about uh, migrant workers and fair pay for migrant workers. And I actually want you to put the clip in here. They work the land and through intensive labor, develop pride in the property. Labor is intrinsically social, right? No man can create something by himself. Denying migrant workers an equal share of the profits. Hello. Let me put it this way.
1: That was weird. That happens to me sometimes. Are you a farm labor leader and a rock star? No.
0: Well, my point was, we have no way of determining whether 12 hours under the sun picking grapes is worth less or more than 9 to 5 in an office. And my man is straight up dropping some labor theory of value shit on the motherfucking West Wing right yeah, here. Yeah, it's... I love I love it. It's
1: interesting that they, um, like, they, they give this airtime... But
0: you'll see immediately afterwards that, like... (laughs) Right, so this is all... Unfortunately, this is all sort of a cruel setup for a punchline, which is that this dude uh, ran for California governor under the Communist Party. Uh, He is the head of the whatever the California Communist Party um, full technical name is. Um, And and, uh, a photographer took a picture of Donna with him at the lunch... Uh, and of course, and now this is a big PR blunder for the White House because Donna got seen talking to a communist. Isn't that wacky?
1: Whoa, not in this country.
0: Yeah, and and now it's a big stupid like it, they don't actually have to deal with it or whatever. It's just sort of a comedy subplot of like, oh, oh Donna, oh you done. Lawn moment again. Well, so there's
1: there's a couple interesting things too, where Josh gives her like a shibboleth to mention to the guy, and basically says, "Hey, yeah. what do you think of this guy Sutter, who I guess is a
0: a regressive uh-huh.
1: congressman or something?" Like and and do yes, yeah, and the yeah. guy correctly
0: calls it out as like, "Oh, that dude's but a fucking enemy." It's funny
1: because basically we are um the show suggests that Donna is operating a level. They have this whole interchange between her and Josh where he says he does like we need to make sure that they're talking on your level and donna's like oh my gosh i have a level wow but which <laughs> yeah, yeah okay fine that aside like whatever she's great she right says this word to this guy and he goes on this thing and she basically stops him in the middle of it and goes okay you pass the t-. like doesn't say it out loud but basically like
0: uh, right like you, you, pass, pass. you pass i'll see you yeah. later and, We'll, we'll, we'll get you five minutes with Josh um, to talk to him and about whatever. And then they're walking out
1: and some staffer on Sam's campaign that is, as they realize who this person is, because like how stupid could you be? And Sam is like, straight up, get the fuck out of here, you're fired. Like, fuck off.
0: <laughs> yeah, insta-fire. Yeah, which, by the way, if Sam was running the mm-hmm. White House, we wouldn't have these shitheads that I just bitched about Goddamn the last rights. segment. Make it, all, make it all the way up to White House staff. Because, yeah, Sam is immediately like, get the fuck out. <laughs> <And> <laughs> which <the> I love. <laughs> sort of it... it Roblo does good work in this episode. I'll, I'll
1: Yeah, because, I mean, he's kind of in a
0: bad situation, I, I guess, and... Right, he has a he has a lot to to chew on. You know, he has a lot to do in this particular. Yeah, so
1: there they leave this thing, and the next time we see sort of the staff around is that they're like sitting around with CJ, chatting about strategy this evening, and like I mean, we saw her earlier in the episode, Andy, Toby's uh, ex wife, um, correct, has come along on the trip because she's a congresswoman and correct, they, like want her to be around for
0: reasons right strategy and discussion yeah, and one and so
1: they're sitting and chatting and as they're sitting there this chud couple walks by in the hotel lobby
0: and oh I thought go hang on it. before we get to that I thought you were going to talk about on the plane ride mm. over as soon as Toby figures out she's on the plane he's like oh pregnant lady on a plane oh you can't do that and she's like relax my doctor said it's fine till the 32nd week and this is presumably before that and then all of a sudden toby just gets like complete has a fucking mini meltdown about like airplanes are full of like dangerous things that will harm my per- my precious babies and like it's just comes yeah, out of it's, nowhere
1: they're they're projecting again things onto blank slate toby here um, mm-hmm. and i mean uh, we <laughs> the whole exchange now that we're talking about it, the whole exchange with Andy on the plane, rules because
0: she's just like yeah. Well, she gets in a couple like, really well, good words. Because my
1: doctor said it was okay, and you're very dumb. I'm here on the plane now. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah.
0: laughs> and then, like a- after he drops some like awful, terrible thing. Oh, he, he says calls some her awful a minivan thing about her. Oh, he calls her fat. Right, he calls her fat. Right, because she's um, pregnant, and uh, she just goes. Real, ladies, relax. Yeah, he's all mine. Step
1: off, ladies. <laughs> this one's all me. <laughs> <laughs> this one's take. <laughs> so we we know that Andy's yeah. along good, on the good trip. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> and so they're meeting in the hotel lobby eventually. And
0: um, right. And then so this leads this, to this Chud couple passes uh, they're, them. They're, right and goes like, shame about that baby you got there. She's gonna grow up without daddy. And she's just like, excuse the fuck me. <laughs> like i love how she handles herself in this she never gets intimidated or anything this couple like these are the worst kind of people who are just like don't I mean, even know like the fucking I'm, nerve i'm putting of it out people. there it's florida chuds rather than any other kind of chuds sure which in orange county it's a, thing. almost the same thing you know like you know the the country club yep. golf you know golf types you know the chuds who have who are petty yep, exactly um Exactly, who own a boat dealership or a, a fucking golf course or something like that, but yeah, they, the fucking nerve of this chud shitty couple is just like throwing out all this shit about like, oh God, and Satan, and like he's gonna—they're—they're they're not that evangelical about it, but there's definitely a religious thing yeah. of, like um, you growing up, you know, disapproval for having a baby out of wedlock. I mean, it's basically. functionally
1: calling the kids a bastard, like, right, it, effectively.
0: And- uh, and then, and then, so like Toby is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, sir! You're getting very close to my pregnant wife, and now that I'm this guy who is apparently pathologically afraid of my pregnant wife getting harmed now uh, I'm gonna have to act all mm-hmm. macho and get in your yes. face and ask you to Nebbish step back." Little
1: Toby, like picking right. fights. Now that I'm a dad,
0: <laughs> now that I'm a dad or soon to be dad, it's time for me to summon up my dad's strength and 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 fight this chud. Uh, And then Charlie, being a a solid bro in a a punch, you know, immediately backs up Toby. Is like, is there a problem here? And then the wife, right on fucking cue, is like, oh, and this one here with the fucking daughter.
1: (laughs) Which is implicitly like extremely racist
0: and (laughs) extreme like what else how else could she mean it like obviously she's just like and on this one here tried to date a white girl (laughs) like that's basically what she says you know about better string him up and then so we immediately just like smash cut to toby and charlie in prison yeah getting
1: booked booked for assault
0: Uh, we we, in a in a nice comedy cut we see nothing of the actual fight Uh, and we're just, they're just getting booked and fingerprinted.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting, like, it's an interesting exchange because we know, I mean, this, this sort of thing
0: is completely realistic. Like, sure. And it it could happen good one hundred. Like I said, the fucking nerve of this couple is the only thing that like puts me on edge, but there, you know what? There are totally people like that other than just kind of the broader who think that like they're the hero of reality and they'll go confront whoever. Like, the fucking nerve to step to a congressman <laughs> yeah. person. Well, like, and the, the,
1: the broader thing of just, we're going to see this more and more with, Toby is just painted with whatever character trait is necessary to drive what's happening yes. at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, all the way up until spoilers in season seven where he commits national yeah, like, treason. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Out of nowhere.
1: Um, but this is actually like, you know, it's a slice of life thing. It's a... It's an okay exchange, like... Sure, it's,
0: it's, there's, you know, there's no politics behind it besides the inherent shitty reactionariness of the, of the Chud couple. Um, but it's, you know, it's much more just about a, like, oh, Toby gets to be macho and defend his lady who's pregnant with his babies kind of moment. Yeah, which
1: isn't, I mean, it doesn't strike me as necessary, but you know
0: what, Aaron, you do you when you're writing. Sure, Sure. Um, any Any other thoughts before we wrap no, up the segment? No, I was segment? only trying to think of how it would be,
1: because we are told that Orange County is full of rich white people, but we do not see yep. it until this happens. So I'm thinking that right, this is maybe yeah. a convenient way to like physically show us the demographics why democrats don't yeah. win orange county yeah.
0: <laughs> because this is your typical Which, Orange County. okay couple. yeah that works like that that's fine yeah and sure so it all works and it's like it's funnier than the than the bad attempted comedy subplot with will and the intern girls yeah
1: and so the like the episode wraps up on like sam giving a speech and calling the president out to the stage or whatever and there's this exchange with like a young service member who's there clearly like staffing the event and the
0: First off, he he hands the president, he has to give the president a call from like me about military stuff. And he he hands him this great 90s ass brick phone. (laughs) Like, sir, this is a call from Mr. McGarry. (laughs) I just just love this this image of this 22 year old lieutenant with his 90s ass brick phone.
1: And, you know, Barlow's like, well, you know, here's what happened with our boys. And he's like, well, got to get out on stage now. And
0: yeah right uh, yeah and then bartlett has this moment where he just like stares at the kid and stares at him, and then goes how old are you son he's like i'm 22 mr president sir <laughs> and then he and bartlett has like a long think about oh my god i'm sending 22 year old men off to war to die and it's like isn't he so good folks he thought about it he thought about it he really attached hard a
1: number to it and therefore oh he's such a good person He's so good. Just <laughs> he's he, so he feels good. bad sometimes. You
0: know you know he'll think about that guy for like
1: five <laughs> whole minutes. <laughs> well, and I think actually, like now that you literally say that thing, this whole episode speaks to, I guess that sort of perspective where there is so much happening that nobody is capable of caring about any of these things for longer than like the time it takes to trip into the next crisis. Which is like
0: right, yeah. This episode feels like it had way too much stuffed into it, and easily could have ditched like two or three of and these it, subplots. It
1: leads itself to that sort of lip service, where it's like, I in this moment, I'm going to say this thing, but I, I, I'm physically incapable of doing anything about any of these things that are theoretically bothering me. But my brain is so smooth by virtue of the fact that I'm dealing with like seventeen different issues at a time sensory yeah, assault I, I, yes. I, it will literally just slide right off of me and make no impression upon me which i great cool it sounds very yeah. technocratic
0: it all it all blends into beautiful technocratic yeah. numbness
1: yeah. wow that's pretty bleak <laughs> all right so let's take another quick break and we'll the west wing <laughs>
0: Then that too. Cause then there was this boy whose parents made him come directly home right after school and when they went to their church they shook and lurched all over the church floor
1: not quite explain it. They'd always just gone there.
0: And welcome back. So uh, before we uh, finally wrap up here, um, I want to bring up so early in the episode uh, Bartlett and Debbie Fitterer have a couple interactions in this episode which every time Lily Tomlin is on screen, I'm delighted uh yeah, she for rules. the record uh, I'm just always I'm watching whatever she's doing uh she's great and so he calls her in the first exchange he's like oh is that right mrs homuntashin which uh if you don't know homuntashin is a jewish pastry cookie sort of thing um and that's quite a deep pull for a president who didn't know what an egg cream was <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't
1: even have command of the wasp beverage, much less the Jewish food,
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's just like i'm 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 actually a little shocked he knows that, um, and then the uh second time later in the episode, he calls her Mrs. Hottentot <laughs> uh
1: and I in the context of the Kundu thing, I guess I understand because. <laughs> Hot and Todd is what Koi people in South Africa were called by the British. Oh. <laughs> like, huh. It's deeply colonial and racist. And like, Interesting. B- before there was an understanding of, um, like, tribal relations or anything, it was just sort of like a blanket term that was thrown around. You'll hear it in movies from, like, the 30s and 40s. Huh.
0: Yeah. So, I just had to bring that up as as a final thought. It's very strange. We... Very, very strange. Like, Sorkin often goes for these brief comedic flourishes throughout these episodes, but these were two particularly bizarre ones that just kind of stood out to me. (laughs) And and at the expense of, honestly, these days,
1: his best character. Mmm. But, that's okay.
0: Okay, so uh, that does it for this episode of The Worst Wing. Thank you, as always, for listening uh, as we went through this journey of an episode We always appreciate any comments, feedback you want to toss our way in our threads. Uh, If you found the show a different way, hello, welcome. Uh, And you can drop the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is nice. And we will be back next time to discuss another episode of The West Wing here on More Like The Worst Wing. Bye bye. Stay safe, y'all.
1: Bye. But don't ask me to come on along